Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I, I, I was gobsmacked, mate. Absolutely gobsmacked. Is that an American phrase? Uh, it's close been... enough. I think it's, it's an onomatopoeia. People forget what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I, let me make it more professional. I was stunned. <laughs> I was very surprised. I was gobsmacked. And so you've got somebody in the organization who's like, oh, everybody's doing this. We need to do it too. And you get, okay, okay, fine. Let's, let's do that too. Just don't change. Don't put too much on me to have to change anything. You know, buy your software, do whatever you need to do, but uh, but let me do my own thing. I need to look back at the web and see what people were saying about CRM 20 years ago. And the great thing with the web is you can do that, obviously, because all the blog pages are still there. So Ryan, over Christmas, we did this wonderful show where we talked about our personal learnings and our business learnings uh, for the year. Yes. And you know, I banged on about customer science again. Yes. Very excited about that. Yeah, I was. Uh, and I kept saying, we'll do another show. We'll do another show. And this is it. And we're going to talk about a bit about customer science, but some of the interesting stuff that I've been reading up on, which is more to the point. So you ready for this? I'm excited. Let's hear it. Good. If that's you excited, mate, I'd hate to see you really excited. My my blood pressure is through the roof right now. I just <laughs> I hide it. I hide it very well. <laughs> uh, Good. No, I am excited. It's always entertaining for me, Colin, when you're super excited about a topic and you've been very invested in um, customer science for a little while. Yeah, when I'm in the groove. I'm that's in right. the groove. That's yeah. right. Let's take a bit of a step back, and then I'm going to get onto the interesting stuff. So the bit of a step back is, and we'll put again the links in the show notes, but we did a podcast on customer science and what is customer science. And that was nearly nine months ago. There's another blog that I've recently written, again, um, with a company called Group Buy, where I did a panel discussion with uh, a company called Group Buy and with Google where for me, it was like the manifestation of customer science, okay? And I'm sure many people are sitting there going, what in the bloody hell is he talking about, customer science? <laughs> so let, let me give you a sort of a brief overview, and then I'm going to get into some other interesting stuff. So what I'm starting to see is that there is this fusion of three things that are coming about, Okay. And what I'm starting to see is the wave of change of customer experience starting to decline as a wave of change. And I'm trying to be very careful with my words here. So what do I mean? Again, take a step back. When we look at waves of change that have happened across businesses, uh, what we see, uh, and certainly if I look back on my career, there's been waves of change like total quality management, business process re-engineering, CRM, customer relationship management, 
various different things like that. And the wave of change that we're in was customer experience. And and the company, Beyond Philosophy, my company is 20 years old this year. I wrote my first book 20 years ago on this subject. And I always saw it as a wave of change. Okay. So by, by wave of change, you kind of mean ideas that have become popular in business or solutions? Like, how would you define wave of change? I could even argue that, that instead of wave of change, it's a wave of focus. Something that everybody's starting to focus on and believe in. An emphasis. An emphasis, a, a recognition that they're not getting it right or that there's an opportunity. So if I go back to total quality management, there was, and now I'm talking about sort of 80s and 90s, there was an, a recognition that reliability was an issue and the Japanese particularly had it right to get quality right. Everyone my age can remember things breaking down all the time, cars breaking down all the time. And there was an emphasis on total quality management and then business process re-engineering to re-engineer your processes. And another one has been digital transformation. Right. Suddenly everybody's doing digital transformation and it became a buzzword and a phrase. And customer experience has been there. When I first started, I I thought it would last about 10 years and it's lasted 20. So I guess that shows what I do, what do I know. Uh, but <laughs> I saw the wave, that wave of everybody starting to talk about it and going, well, yeah, we don't provide very good experiences. And perhaps now that everything has been you know, to differentiate ourselves, we need to focus on it. At that point, Pine and Gilmore's first book, The Experience Economy, came out. I read that book, and that was in 1998. I never looked back from there, and we've had Joe on the show a couple of times. Really great guy. That has been a wave of change. But I think the important thing to emphasize here is that those waves of change have not disappeared when the wave has finished right but the important thing is they've been absorbed into business as usual okay and the example i would give is crm so when i started beyond philosophy 20 years ago crm was on everybody's lips Mm -hmm. crm for the previous five years at least had been the wave of change that everybody was talking about. Everybody was buying CRN systems. The interesting bit has been was effectively that was absorbed. Again, trying to be careful with my words. And customer experience became the new focus. Making sense so far? Yes. Yeah. But the interesting bit, and this is the bit I've been looking into because this is fascinating me recently, is that if you now look at the growth of CRM over the last 10 years, it has grown from a $13 billion a year industry into a $69 billion a year industry. Okay. That's not me saying it. That's, that we'll put again a link in the show notes about it. But those are the numbers. So mm-hmm. it shows that it's not gone away. It didn't fail, if you like. It's just become part of what businesses do now. I 
hate this phrase, but it might apply here. You're familiar with the phrase table stakes? Yes. Correct. That some things are, you know, differentiators or, or new or different. And then there's other things that you just need to do to be in the game. Yes, correct. And and CRM is now one of them, isn't it? I mean, unless you're a very small business, you wouldn't have a large company without some form of CRM, basically. But the interesting thing for me has been, I still haven't got onto what customer science is. So customer science is the fusion of AI, data, and behavioral science. Okay. What customer science is, is effectively AI machine learning, you can teach AI with the various data sources and the way that that data is interpreted through behavioral science, you can start to understand what a customer is going to do automatically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can start to look at a customer's behavior on your website and then through AI and through different data sources. And this was the the panel discussion I had with Group Buy and Google a couple of weeks ago is to be able to go, well, when a customer does this, they're likely to then do that. So you can predict what they're going to do next without the customer even knowing it because you've interpreted it through behavioral science. You've trained your AI to do it. You've got lots of different data sources coming in there. And you can then start to predict what your customer is going to do more and you can then provide them with a proactive, which I think over the next 10 years is going to be really, really important, a proactive experience. In other words, you're doing something for the customer before they even know that they want it. Makes sense? Instead of waiting to respond, you're better yeah. at anticipating. Yeah. So yeah. the science aspect comes in through the analysis of the data. So if I took it in the step back and tied in another bit, I'm a little uncomfortable, Colin, because we've taken a number of steps back now. I'm a little worried about some kind of <laughs> precipice. Can I take a step to the side? My old team at uh, BT, I use this phrase, take a step back, because it helps me think. They bought me a T-shirt when I left British Telecom uh, that said, let's take a step back, because I used to say it all the time. <laughs> so, and it was a picture of Homer Simpson falling off a cliff backwards, <laughs> basically. Good. Uh, so, I have the same sense of humor as your team. Yeah, Absolutely. If we then go, okay, Colin, well, why do you think that customer experience is coming to an end? I would, as a wave of change, I would then say, listen to the guests that we had on last week, which was David Vandenberg, who was from the American Customer Satisfaction Institute, who, where their stats show that we are at nearest the lowest point for customer satisfaction for the last 15 years. And between 2010 and 2019, only 30% of organizations improved their customer experience. Let me repeat that. Between 2010 and 2019, only 30% of organizations improved their customer experience. And again, that this was during the height of the time when that was the, the movement of change. That was when people were focused on that's the issue. Yeah. So I'm a CEO of one of the 70% of organizations. So we did some work with a, a company who shall remain nameless, who employed 50 people 
to improve their customer experience. And they haven't because they haven't done what we suggested that they did because internal issues and politics and blah, 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 right? Imagine you're the CEO going, why have we got these 50 people that have produced nothing? Okay. Yeah. Why have we got this focus of the organization that has not produced any results? And for me, that's what those stats are talking about. So, and let me be very clear, I'm not saying it's going to go away. Right. So I'm not saying, and I go back to, I think customer experience will be absorbed. But this led me on to what I found really interesting, okay? Because as I've started to get my brain around this, I thought what I need to do is I need to look back at the web and see what people were saying about CRM 20 years ago. And the great thing with the web is you can do that, obviously, because all the blog pages are still there. Yeah, the way you, you phrased it to me earlier is you, you said this: some of the, the things people are saying about customer experience now sounded awfully familiar to you. I, I, I was gobsmacked, mate. Absolutely gobsmacked. Is that an American phrase? Uh, it's close been... enough. I think it's, it's an onomatopoeia. People can get what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was I, let me make it more professional. I was stunned. <laughs> I was very surprised. I was gobsmacked. Um, yeah. So, so let me read you some stuff. So this is from 2002. Okay. So when Beyond Philosophy started, Harvard Business Review. And this was by Fred Reicheld, who we know was on the show, who mm -hmm. subsequently went on to invent Net Promoter Score, which everybody knows about. And Fred, in the Harvard Business Review of 2002, said, avoiding four perils of CRM. And to your point, as I read these things, think customer experience, okay? So avoid the four perils of CRM. So he said, 55% of all CRM projects do not produce results according to Gartner. Well, 70% don't produce results according to ASCII for customer experience. According to Bain's 2001 survey of management tools, one in every five users reports that CRM initiatives not only have failed to deliver profitable growth, but have damaged long-term customer relationships. And these are the four perils that he outlined. So these were the four perils. Implementing CRM before creating a customer strategy. That bloody happens all the time with, mm -hmm. with customer experience. Rolling out CRM before changing in to your organization to match it. That happens all the time. We did two podcasts on customer centricity and we know that organizations haven't really moved that very much. Peril three, assuming that more CRM technology is better. My interpretation of that is now replace CRM with voice of the customer technology, mm -hmm. same issue. And four, stalking, not wooing customers. Not sure if that one necessarily applies, but you get the idea, yeah? Mm-hmm. Everyone has business problems. Everyone would like them solved. And what better way than asking two experts to weigh in on what to do? This is the essence of a new spot we have in the show called I'm in a Pickle. All we want you to do is to email us with your problems and Ryan and I will give you our best advice of what to do to resolve them. 
Hey Ryan, I'm really glad we're doing this, mate, because I've had this ingrained toenail for some time and I'm not certain what to do. Colin, let me stop you. We've discussed before no toenail discussions on the podcast. <laughs> not your personal problems, business problems. It could be, how do you get your senior management to be more engaged in customer experience? How can you reduce the level of churn you have with customers? Or something specific, like how you should set the pricing for a service. And if you want to be anonymous, that's absolutely fine. We will simply look at all the problems and come up with the answers. So just email us at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com and outline the problem. And Ryan, are you sure we can't sort out my ingrown toenail? Uh, well, Colin, you know I do have a machete collection, so maybe we can. <laughs> Another post. These are the top 10 reasons CRM fails. I can't remember who the party is, but we'll again, we'll put the links in the show notes so everyone could see this. One, poor objectives. So these are the top reasons why CRM fails. Again, think customer experience. Poor objectives, poor CRM strategy, scope creep, user adoption, poor business process design, missing executive sponsorship, lack of systematic, predictable project execution, lack of continuous process improvement. I would say 60% of those things are the same reason. Yeah. And the big one there for me is missing executive sponsorship, yeah. which I think is a big one. And then finally, because I'm on a roll, Salesforce, who are now I guess, the largest CRM company in the world. I would assume. I think they don't even class themselves as CRM, but let's call them the largest CRM company in the world. The leading risks of CRM factors, in other words, why CRM fails. Again, think customer experience as I read this list. Lack of cross-functional coordination. No CRM business strategy. Lack of process change. Lack of executive support, poor business representation on team, inappropriate IT investments. So the really interesting thing for me, mate, is that if I look at those three reports, and there were loads more, I just picked out the ones that I thought were representative. The reason that CRM was classed as failing is the same reasons and the same problems that customer experience has today, in my view. And therefore, part of my argument is, I think history is just repeating itself. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, fascinating. When you find something in business that gets to be popular or hot, everybody wants to kind of follow and jump on board. But a lot of the points that you read out there, I could translate into being kind of lukewarm adoption or sure. unsupported. And so you've got somebody in the organization who's like, oh, everybody's doing this, we need to do it too. And you get, okay, okay, fine, let's let's do that too. Just don't change, don't put too much on me to have to change anything. You know, buy your software, do whatever you need to do, but let me do my own thing. And so we're not talking about changes within the organization, we're talking about changes along the periphery. And then people are shocked when they don't actually get changed, when they don't fix problems, when they're only half-heartedly trying. I agree. I think the issue for me is this. 
I know we have a number of different people listening to this podcast. So we, we know we have people from the client side, we have other consultants. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to scare people, right? I don't want to suddenly think for people to go, oh, I'm going to lose my job next year. Because first of all, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is we'll get absorbed into business as usual, okay? So I don't think that organizations will just stop doing custom experience, but they'll start to do it in a different way. What I do think is this, I hope, becomes a bit of a clarion call for people to focus on value and doing things to be part of the 30% that actually drives an improvement in customer satisfaction rather than the 70% that don't. And I think the other thing that I think is important to me is to go, look, I don't think this is going to happen next year. I think this is going to happen over the next two or three years. That will decline and customer science will increase. And therefore, recognizing that and morphing your existence, if you like, and moving some of the focus onto those areas, I think is going to be a good way of riding this classic. You're coming down from one wave of change and you're moving up the next wave of change. I think the issue becomes if you just put your blinders on and go, nah, nothing's going to happen. We're going to carry on with customer experience for the next 50 years as it is. And what we know is that COVID has accelerated everything and it's just not going to remain static and you've got to move with the times, basically. So you point to one potential problem, which is that if we have these consistent patterns of why these new initiatives fail, what advice would you give somebody that you've convinced customer science is the next wave of change and that people need to get on board. What's to stop somebody writing these articles and blog posts five years from now explaining the problems with implementing customer science initiatives? And it's the same list of stuff. How do we stop the next wave of failures, I guess, um, as we transition to the next wave of kind of tools and approaches? It's interesting, isn't it? Because if I looked at that list of why CRM failed, I think we're actually just talking about human nature, basically. Yeah, I agree completely. So, Um, Colin, how would you fix human nature? Ready? (laughs) Go. The first thing for me is you've got to be aware, okay? So it's, it's like any form of change. You've got to be aware of where you are and you've got to accept it, basically, all right? The reason that CRM was believed to have failed was because it didn't produce the results. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you are part of an organization where you have produced results and you've improved satisfaction and you've improved what drives value, then your organization will carry on investing in you. If you are part of an organization that does not do that, then you won't, in my view. I run my own business. I'm not going to invest in something that doesn't give me a return. Sure. It's as simple as that. I'll give it a go for a period of time, 
I'll happily underwrite it for a period of time because I believe in it. But after a period of time, I'm going, nah, not working. We tried to do outbound telemarketing at one point. I think I gave it a go for 18 months, two years, and then realized that I'd poured a load of money into something that didn't work for us. And I learned. Mm -hmm. But the same applies with customer experience. What I would be doing and what we are doing is we are now getting into AI. We're already into behavioral science and data in a much bigger way as an organization than we have done before, okay? But the important bit that we provide, and again, I'm saying this to people out there who are listening to this podcast who are CX professionals and and other consultants, the bit that we provide is the understanding of a customer and a customer's experience. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're always going to be needed at that front line because we're the ones that interpret it because let's take a step back who's ai run by ai is run by it companies where's data run by run by it how much do they know about bloody customer experience yeah even with the greatest respect to academia how much do they know about customer experience so so they understand all the behavioral stuff but how to interpret it and get it into form a program, gain the support. So I think that there's always going to be the need for that interpretation of it. But the focus of those people, I think, if I was them, and certainly what we are starting to look at and start to do is around the the whole AI data. And we know we've been in this the behavioral science field for some time now to be able to interpret that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. To summarize, because we're coming towards the end of our time, customer science, I think, is going to be the next wave of change. It probably won't happen for two or three years. I remember again when I first started talking about customer experience, everyone was rattling on about CRM. I would say customer experience is coming up. They would say, no, CRM is going to be around forever. And I was going, nah, I think customer experience is coming along. Fortunately, I was right at that point. I hope I'm right again. But the point I'm trying to make is it's going to take a bit of time to take hold. But I think the pandemic has sharpened it up. I think that people's focus on the fusion between AI data and behavioral science is starting to get stronger. And I would recommend that people start to look into this in a lot more detail. And certainly for 2022, uh, we'll certainly review this as as the year goes on but I wouldn't be at all surprised if it becomes a much bigger, acceptable subject. Whether it's actually called customer science, I couldn't care less about, to be totally honest with you. But that fusion between the three things, I think is going to grow massively. And my recommendation is everybody else starts to, to think about it and focuses more and starts to look at what's happening. And go back in history and look at what's happened in the past. I can't remember who, made, who, who did that famous quote, mate. If we don't look back at history, we're in danger of repeating it, basically, because we're in danger of making the same mistakes if we're not careful. I hope that's been of use, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. 
Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.